Hey, what's going on, Kyle? This is Shane Brown out here in my backyard garden in Reisel Beach, North Carolina, watching the bees do their magic. Love the podcast. Always enjoy listening to it when I'm out here working in the garden. Thanks. Keep up the good work. What is schnappin', my friends? My name is Kyle. This is my show. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by. And that was a little message from one of our listeners. Um, So if you are listening in and you want to send me a quick voice memo, let me know who you are, where you're listening in from, some details about exactly where you are listening in from right now. I'd love to play it. You can just uh, record it on your phone using the Voice Memos app and email it to info at kyle.surf. That's info at kyle.surf. And we would love to play it. Try and keep it under 30 seconds and something non-promotional, please. Just be cool. Don't try and like sell your business on my show. Um, But thankfully, most of you are cool. The vast majority of people who I've had a chance to meet in person who listen to this podcast are just as weird and fucked up and curious as I am. So that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. I just got back from Nicaragua where I went for my brother's bachelor party. We got some fun waves, a couple little tubes down at Playa Colorado. This is a strange trip because there's a lot of civil unrest happening in Nicaragua right now. Um, A lot of students are protesting to try and overthrow uh, the government, the current leader, Daniel Ortega. So, you know, we're driving through the streets of Managua, and a lot of the protesters had these um, potato guns that they put nails in to try and shoot the police. Uh, And they all have bandanas covering their faces, and we're just cruising through, going to our super fucking fancy privileged hotel on the beach to go get barreled for a week. It's a weird, um, it just feels weird, you know, especially because like if I'm going to go do a project somewhere, I'm committing to doing that project. I'm going to tell the story and it's not, it's not really worth it to do, to do it half-assed a lot of times. So I was like, no, I'm here for my brother's bachelor party. We're going to have a good time. But there's, you know, as you're getting barreled, surfing fun offshore waves you know that just uh a few miles away people are getting shot by police i think that six people died uh the week that that we were there and the death toll is over 200 now so i don't know happy to be home happy to be uh working i i like working if it's a project that i'm passionate about and there is a project that i'm very passionate about um that I'm working on right now, it, it feels good to be on purpose. I can't wait to let you all know about this. I'm, I'm going to um, wait a little ways because the project is still in its infancy, but it's kind of the accumulation of, of a lot of the, um, the knowledge and the people who I've had a chance to meet over the last two years of this podcast, all, you know, taking little bits and pieces of it. Um, and it'll be really fun. As many of you know who listen to this podcast regularly, I kind of oscillate between L.A., Santa Cruz, and around the world. Um, And last year, I was trying to sell a TV show called Spotlight Blue, all about using water as this lens to look at ideas and issues and cultures. 
and I've been working with a production company to try and sell it and it hasn't sold and it's just it's it's weird to feel like you're waiting for something I I hate waiting um because TV shows are just so out of your control many times so I mean that's one of those things where it might happen it might not happen but fuck waiting that's all I have to say you know take a project into your own hands and position yourself so that you can be moving it forward and you're not gonna be um be bottlenecked so that's what this project is and i'm working with some friends who all of you know if you listen to this podcast uh and it's just it's super fun super fun anywho um this episode is with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world um amy baldwin has been on this show i think this was her gosh third fourth time on it typing this in she's been on episode 23 54 and 86 so this was her fourth time and amy is a somatic sex and relationship coach certified sex educator sales uh trainer and educator for uber lube gotta get some of that uber lube slide into them dark places as well as co-owner of a mother-daughter owned pleasure boutique called pure pleasure shop in santa cruz amy has a passion for promoting shame-free pleasure-focused sexuality education while emphasizing the deep emotional and energetic forces behind great sex and intimate connection offering everything from how-to workshops to erotic empowerment retreats She's got a fucking great sense of humor uh, and a very friendly way of educating all of us about a subject that, let's face it, most of us don't know nearly about. And we're kind of fumbling our way through the darkness, trying to find our keys uh, and in the form of, you know, jamming it in and having zero communication skills when it comes to erotic play um and amy can be the flashlight for us not to be confused with fleshlight which would be a freudian slip in this context so uh she's also the host of the the shameless sex podcast so go check that out um i'll link to it in her bio i will link to all of amy's socials in the bio um and we just have a fucking great time every time she comes on the show. So um, I got pretty drunk on this episode, too. I was listening back to it. I was like, oh, God damn, dude, you get you get dark when you're, when you're drunk. So I hope that you enjoy listening to me flail my way into a subject that I don't know nearly enough about. And without further ado, please welcome to the show, Miss Amy Baldwin. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Dream space. Dream space. I was going to sing the dream song, but I don't really know it. Dream. Have you had any interesting dreams recently? Oh, let's see. What have my interesting dreams been? Um, 
Uh, as you put me on the spot, I can't remember. But, you know, lately I have... This kind of goes hand in hand. Lately I've had a lot of um, interesting dreams I can remember. And at the same time, I'm in, out of, so that's my dream space. And then when I come back into the everyday Amy world, I can remember those dreams. And uh, my cognition is just stronger than it's been in a long time. Wow. And so uh, to me, it feels like there is some sort of correlation between... Um, and I'm trying to figure out what that is and I don't know if podcasting helps, but if I'm just exercising my brain more and by reading more and, um, learning, learning and just all that and practicing with my brain more and, um, or if it's all the MDMA that I took when I was 25 that finally cleared out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> eight years later, uh, it's finally cleared. It's okay. <laughs> Taking eight years to finally get the memory back. Jeez. Oh God, God it's not I, worth it. I took MDMA four nights ago for the first time in a really long time mm-hmm. it sure was fun while i was on it but been having it's been hard <sighs> I, li- I like that noise Do that it's again. Your, I, the, the best way that i can sum it up it, my last four days is <sighs> i know that feeling you disgust me kyle <laughs> fuck <laughs> like had a great trip yeah. uh out to austin texas mm-hmm did a really fun podcast, met some f- amazing people. Can't actually tell you one bad thing that happened. And now running through the whole experience in my mind, I'm like, everybody hates me. What, am I, what have I done? I'm so uninteresting. And just why do I, why do I even do this? Why do, why do, why do I even do any of it? And that's MDMA for you, everyone. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, though. I have practiced... Um, meditation over the last few years Mm -hmm. and that shit helps because the the voice of like you suck you suck you suck is not quite as loud as it used to be Mm, and that's that's fucking cool like i can think okay kyle you're thinking this thought should you take this seriously should you take this seriously i don't immediately identify with the thought and that to me is like the high five of all those 15 minutes in the morning that I spend with the calm app. We could be more of the observer and not get caught up in the story and be like, am I the story? Is this story really true? Is this me? Or am uh, is this just a story you know, that yeah. I'm creating? You know, and, and I think that's part of the issue with, with folks who get stuck in victimhood is that they just become the story. I am the story and everything is happening to me as opposed to I'm an observer witnessing what's going on in here and it's very really funny in here this all these things that are happening in the world that's how it is for me at least in the world of amy it's quite entertaining when i watch myself and the stories that i create yeah mm-hmm. but we were just talking about uh listening to our own podcasts yeah. because people who don't know who you are you have hey your everyone. own podcast <laughs> people know who you are by now okay hey everyone you know who i am if you're new shameless sex podcast but you have a really friendly conversation with yourself i do in my head it's yeah. funny yeah well and i hear the little amy stories going on when i so say i'm i'm listening to someone and i um uh, i have a judgment that comes up or uh, something that creates an idea of who they must be i observe it you know i hear the little story going on and and, and i and i and i just and i talk to it i'm just like okay we know like there's two of me sometimes three of me you know we know that there might be a story going on in here like we don't know if this is absolute truth so i kind of if you listen to what was happening in my head i might sound a little schizophrenic because i'm like you know playing with these ideas with myself 
Um, and then, yeah, with the podcast world, I listen to my own podcast. Um, and, and part of it is I listen and um, critique myself. But I, And I'm usually crit- critiquing myself lovingly, though. I'm usually listening and be like, you did a great job there, Amy. And, <laughs> oh, you said like an um a few too many times. Or you could do it better there. And, but, yeah, I'm, I, I like to – I have a very analytical mind. Sometimes it gets in the way, especially when it comes to sexuality. Like too much head, you know, too much mind can – can be um a blessing and a curse it really be i utilize that to be my own observer and to um watch myself and to strive to be better by observing myself and it's a curse in that sometimes there's more of that than heart and body right so yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're like a journalist <laughs> in my taking own <laughs> notes as you're going off on some experience that you really just want to feel yeah yes is it hard for you to feel ever kyle do you feel like you get stuck in your head and your stories no not at all (laughs) see see and that's what i appreciate i appreciate your sarcastic voice there of um with showing your authenticity in yeah fuck yeah i do fucking authenticity (laughs) you love all the spiritual words authenticity transparency just living the most authentic life right now i'm so authentic right now so we're in a room right now fucking word in the face authentic or does it drive you a little crazy yeah i find that it uh it's abused Here's what I think. I think that the, by and large, the self-help movement is good. It's like net positive for humanity. I think, though, that it's, people tend to be very self-important with their own stories. Mm -hmm. And this idea of, like, authenticity. I'm living my own unique, interesting life. Ooh, my truth. My fucking truth. Fuck your truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so Mm self-obsessed. And I think that it's it's the result of people coming to terms... I think that largely it's 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 the result of people coming to terms with just how many people there are in the world. Like, we are living in a time now where we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people through social media and through what we're exposed to. We just have this understanding of how many people there are out there in the world. And as a result, I think that we need, we, we create the need to feel special. And we do that sometimes through this kind of authenticity competition and showing people how authentic we are. And I think that as podcasters, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like you can use your vulnerability and your quote unquote authenticity to attract an audience. A certain amount of that is good, but curating authenticity because you know that people will be drawn to that, I think is kind of yucky. Is that authenticity though? If you're, if you're trying to create something to be so real, are you using that as a tactic? I mean, how is that authentic if there is a manipulation, ma- manipulative tool or um, in a, not oh, intention is the wrong word, but there's, there's a, a goal behind it that is changing the way you're showing up. Right. That's not authentic. No, it's, yeah. it's, but it's, it's the, the grossest use of it, totally, right? Like yeah. I would, I would rather someone just admit, admit that they're in it for the money and the puss yeah right <laughs> yeah like, just be real come on fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> snoop dog i want to go to your party yeah right yeah yeah uh-huh. nothing against snoop dog i don't know what he's all about no he's saying he's authentic as fuck <laughs> he, he's snoop lion now he's woke as fuck oh yeah he's yeah a, yeah snoop lion 
Um, <laughs> no, and I and I agree with you. I um, I get a little. I try. So okay, I want to point out in the world of therapy, and I, I work more in the world of sex, but um, I feel like people abuse the word triggered all the time <sighs> drives me crazy and this isn't a tangent because i'm, I'm going to bring it back unless i completely forget my point but um so i was just going to say i get a little triggered and that's not true i don't get triggered because triggered to me is when someone has a trauma response where they are have no control over how they respond meaning they start to disassociate they start to hyperventilate they completely shut down need to crawl into a dark hole because they're having a trauma response that to me is triggered and i think people are a little too trigger happy um, and they like to say that, oh, I'm triggered by this. I'm so triggered. So I'm going to use the word activated. I like this word to describe more of um, when I hear people throw out round words like authenticity and live your truth and transparency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the spiritual um, filler words that make that, that appear to be all fluffy and shiny. Um, I get a little activated, uh, when I can, when I feel like this, you know, the story in Amy's head is questioning, like, is that real? I, I agree with you that there are, um, some folks who might be ab- abusing that in, in a way that is not, no, uh, their office, uh, abusing their authenticity in a way that is no longer authentic. When I get activated, my nipples get hard. <laughs> That's what that word means for me. Yeah, well, uh, well, uh, authenticity needs to mean true vulnerability, which mean, needs to mean that you're putting yourself out there in a, in a way that is that creates some kind of fear response, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that comics are some of the most authentic people because they're putting themselves out there in such a vulnerable and true way that the whole audience clicks through laughter and has this cathartic moment yeah mm-hmm. right um but it's yeah i mean it's you need to it's one of those situations where like you need to see it to really call it out yeah and i just don't know maybe it's maybe it's the response of just being in that being in the world so much and being in this kind of Santa Cruz bubble. Well, so on that note, I'd like to talk about authenticity and truth in the dating realm because I have a number of clients right now that I'm working with. And okay, I would like to talk about the game and how there's the idea that playing hard to get, not showing that you're too interested when you are interested and the balance between being, I, I think it's tricky to be authentic and be in your truth. I'm going to use those words right now, but in your truth, meaning like, hey, I'm really into this person. Yet, um, I feel like I need to put on a show like I'm not because if I do, I might scare them away. Really common thing. I'm dealing, I'm working with a number of clients on this, specifically women who... Um, are having a hard time. I mean, they're when they're interested in a man in the dating world and they show that they're interested. If they show maybe a little too soon, then the man's like, Oh, it's too much. You want to get married and I'm out and they don't really want to marry them. But there's the fear that comes up. So in that, that's a hard balance. Like how, so in my work, I'm supporting them in how do you stay true to yourself and your feelings and also communicate your truth in a way that um, is still pacing it uh, so that you don't, push someone away you know they don't go into their high their avoidance and their fear of of engulfment you know she's trying to put a ring on it it's like it's date two and she just told you that she, that she's enjoying your time and you're now terrified <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing though and i don't know um i i think i think women experience Bro, it she, more. S- she said that she liked my uh 
my idea for what I want to do with my career. I think. She what, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, it's. I think she wants to marry me. She's trying to have my babies. I need to get out of there, bro. She says she get out. My, she yeah. says she like my car and my next five year plan. <laughs> get it, stage five clinger. Get out of there now, bro code. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, a challenging <laughs> Bro thing. Broke out. And, and I don't think that it just goes one way. I, I think it goes the other way. I know plenty of women that were like, you know, the same, similar thing. They wanted to take the exit door because someone, too soon, in their opinion, someone showed interest. And I think that that's a, a hard thing. And then, yeah, it, it's just it, the dating world is... I mean, I'm not in it right now. I've been in a relationship off and on for 4.5 years. So in 4.5 years, I have been in the dating world a couple of times because you hear that. Um, oh, no, I didn't say that part. We broke up 2.5 times in 4.5 <laughs> years. So in those times, I... I uh, the point fives are really what interests me. The .5. We took a <laughs> break. Fucking .5s. Took a break. Slept with some other people. We came back together. It was it was good. It was good. I had a good time. I had, I had my best and my only good Tinder date during that time. Yeah, I yeah went on Tinder, went on one one really successful Tinder date, and it was during the point five, and um and uh, yeah, so I can speak. So a how do you, yeah? So how do you uh, attract people without turning into someone who you're not, mm-hmm. right? And like Neil Strauss talks about this. Yeah. Oh a lot. yeah. He wrote. The I game. fucking love Neil, by the way. I yeah. So we I, go we go surfing together in LA do? all the time. Yeah. Didn't you? Uh, yeah. Okay. You offered. Uh, we don't, sorry, I don't mean to. No, no, no. Divert, I like this. Divert, divert off, but I feel like it's important well, that people know that Neil is the sweetest man, and it comes from. Everything that he does, I think, comes from a very earnest place. He wrote a book called The Game and a number of other New York Times bestsellers. But, but then followed it up with The Truth or With something? The Truth, yeah. 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 And uh, I think that he really wants to help people. Yeah. And I get the sense of that when we hang out together. But, um, well, so- he, but he makes the point that, like, look, young men should be able to have the ability to attract women. Mm-hmm. And... We were talking about this earlier. Like, I have a lovely girlfriend who I've been with for a number of years, and she loves my geekiness. Mm. Um, but I feel like f- for a long time, like, this is like the way that it would go for women with me is like, hot girls would approach me and be like, oh, hey, like, you're this surfer guy. And then I'd go off on like fucking oceanography or coral reefs or like the banking system they'd be like ah you're a little weird all right they kind of just recede away over the next 10 minutes i'd be like wait where'd you go (laughs) and like at this point i'm like fuck it i love this part about myself Mm -hmm. and hopefully people who listen to this podcast do too but I definitely blew it quite a few times. And if I would have just kept my mouth shut a little bit, I probably could have gotten laid a few more times in college. So yeah, if you didn't share who you really are and what you're really interested in, you could have got, you could have had sex more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just, and and so then we talked about this as well. But this is the idea, but this is like the idea of like opening the valve all the way or just like the balance, let a little bit out. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much do we, and, and it's balanced too. I think like, like asking them, about what they think about the debt ceiling, not laying out the whole uh, financial 
sector of the government for them maybe would would have been the call probably yeah yeah okay. well and i think it More also intriguing. takes some skills to gauge where they're at like are they starting to tune out have i been talking about this for five minutes did i leave any room for them to say anything did i even check in if they want to talk about this i mean it takes a little bit not only self-awareness but of some social skills I'm not saying you don't have it kyle i think you have some social skills for sure but to pay attention to where they're at and you can ask be like is this even interesting to you? Or would you like, maybe we should talk about something else. Do you realize that our whole co- economy is based off of a fiat currency, that the Federal <laughs> Reserve can create money out of nothing and they use this pump and, and pull uh, economically driven, uh, and then they left. They uh, left. I'm not even There's, here right now. Fuck. <laughs> I lost the guest. Where'd you go, Amy? I'm out, tuned down like, Sorry. well, and there's another thing. You just brought in a lot of passion. Passion can scare people sometimes. <laughs> God, he's so passionate oh, about that so many experiences right now like shit she yeah. have brought up the debt ceiling oh, sorry continue well no no i think this is a good point though i think that, i mean there's different ways so I, i'm talking about um being showing who you really are in terms of how you feel about someone and then also showing who you really are in terms of your interests and i personally think like show your interest maybe again it's a balance don't talk about them for about 20 minutes without checking in and watch how passionate you get about you know things that have to do with finances and religion and government because that can be really activating for a lot of people and (laughs) i think i think it's best to not hide the things that are going to come out soon anyways you know don't maybe don't talk about your mommy and daddy issues the first time you meet someone but it's all just a balance and so many people are accustomed to wanting to put on a show because that same thought like god if, if i only i hadn't shown that then i could have got laid so i'm not going to show that next time so i can get laid and i guess if you're only looking for a one-time thing then fine don't show it but if you're looking to really get to know someone then um, they're going to see your things there it's it's all going to pop out but the hard one is the emotion when you're really into someone um you know, then when is it safe to let them know you're really into them before they decide that you're like the crazy guy or the crazy chick and want to push you away? And I don't have a perfect answer for that, but I think everything is about balance and um, not rushing things. You know, when we have a feeling like, oh, God, I'm really into him. He's amazing. I really like him. I like him a lot. And you start making up stories in your head and writing like Mrs. Whatever, you know, whatever his last name is in your notebook. But people still do that. I know adults that do that. Not naming names. Um but that's what the the mind will do and to just like again as we were talking about in the beginning be the observer of it and not rushing it not being like i have a feeling so i need to go with it you know sitting with it for a little bit and if it's still feeling really true then sharing that you know this is how i don't okay let me ask you kyle very vulnerable question when you love give someone you, give you such an authentic answer right now Amy. <laughs> so are you in your truth right now kyle um so when you know that you love someone like your partner when you when you knew that you loved your partner um how did you know that you loved them like what did that feel like for you how were you aware that it was love hmm how was i aware that it was love that's a hard one yeah that's a really hard one um I would say that it was like, like I had the feeling that it was, it, it was less around this idea of like, all right, what can I get out of this? Like, oh, how does this person benefit me? How does the, like it, it, it changed the conversation from that to like, I just really want 
to help this person fucking flourish Mm -hmm. and like i will do anything to help this person achieve that and like and uh i mean maybe that's just part of the answer but it it shifted from less of like a me thing like what do i get out of this Mm -hmm. to um yeah just this idea that you would fucking drive a thousand miles and 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 show the fuck up and and, and there was never any like equation of how that would serve serve me Mm -hmm. in it maybe maybe that's that makes sense maybe that feels part of it like i think that maybe relationships before that for me were more of um you know like a list of like well she does this and that and you know there there's all these things that are great about her and it's out this is all how it kind of serves me Mm -hmm. i think it was kind of a self-centered way of what would you say one it. of them had more of like a powerful feeling that was coming from your heart or uh, a deeper place and the other one's a little more analytical like she's hot and she's funny and she just yeah. has a great job and yeah i mean there we it's it's no secret that love comes from a place in the heart yeah. right so it it i feel like it definitely hit into that next frequency yeah uh for the first time really ever for me mhm which is exciting was that scary to share that information when you knew that you loved someone for the first time to well, share that information? Um, did they say yeah, it first? Yeah, no, it first? I think that we were both kind of afraid to like, we, there was this idea first? of yeah. like, like, well, I'll say olive juice, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I've always been afraid of losing choice in my life, right? Like, I feel like that's been this, this thing thread throughout my life has been um of this fear of getting locked down in one way or another engulfed engulfed and and you know having my scope of choices narrow to a point where i can't go out and and live the life that i really want to live and Mm -hmm. i think that for a long time i avoided relationships for that reason because i so value travel and seeing the world and immersing myself in different cultures and going after a project for two or three months and and learning a ton about it. I I felt like that might go away if I was in a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. But that was, I was operating under a false premise. I think that I'm a way better person, way more relaxed person, way more supported person. And my friends and family can agree since I've been in, in a relationship but for a long time, I was like, no, I'm I'm this. I'm better than I'm, on my own. Yeah, I'm better on my own. I'm a fucking lone wolf. Yeah. Just running through the. Surfing the big waves. Surfing the big waves. Howling on the moon. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Doing all that stuff. Um, but it was, inter- it was an interesting learning experience for me to realize that I was operating under a false premise and that yeah. I could be way better with someone who well and you hadn't you hadn't experienced it yet but that's kind of the idea well look at the terms we use for relationships settling down you know yeah. like just you're what you what do you turn you just turn to a couch potato and you're just like calm all of a sudden and you lose all of your momentum when you get in a relationship and that's what a lot of people do but yeah i had uh jim fadiman on the podcast and he's like so settle down let's decouple that word you're settling and you're going down yeah no one i don't want to do, do either of those things yeah fuck that that's not but that doesn't necessarily mean that being in a relationship results in that 
No, I mean it can if that's what you want to want to turn into. But the the ultimate dream for a lot of folks, and not for everyone, some people just want someone they can be comfortable with and be feel safe. And it that works if you have two or however many people are involved are on the same page. I know people that uh, that are in that they have a companionate relationship where they just want to feel safe and. Um, you know, comfortable, they like coziness and they're not looking for passion and for both kind of raising each other up in a way that you're constantly growing and uh, expanding together. And that's so that means it depends where you're at. And so it sounds like you're one of these people and I'm one of these people, too, um, that is looking for a partnership to constantly feed, my, you know, fuel me to make me the best me possible and not make me but support me in being that so I can grow and they can grow and we can grow to together collaboratively and share our creative fuel and fire and then also support each other to do that on our own um, it's really powerful and that's not the model that we see out there in the world so it, it's totally understandable that you would have a fear that that wasn't available to you because I mean how often do you see that out there it's just not the model so there are these different types of people right there are people like my past self which was afraid of a relationship uh, because I was afraid of settling and moving down and then there are people who are afraid to get out of relationships because they love the comfort of it, even if it might be a relationship that's not serving them. What questions should people ask themselves when making big decisions, whether or not to move into a relationship or get out of one? Am I doing this out of love or fear? Uh, so the choice would be um, to not get into a relationship. Am I choosing not to get into that relationship out of love or out of fear? And the out of love could be love for myself. I'm choosing not to get into it because um, uh, I know it's not healthy for me because this person's hurtful or manipulative or whatever. And so I have so much love for myself that I need to not choose that relationship. Um, or um, I'm choosing it out of fear. There's um, something that seems like... It could be good, but it's also really scary. And so I'm not going to get into that relationship because I'm fearful of getting lost in it, losing my freedom, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you can use that model for anything, um, for a job, for a relationship to leave a relationship to enter a relationship are these these choices coming out of love and fear or fear because usually you can figure out that it's one or the other um, f fear of the self fear of what could happen or um, love for the self or love for another for what could happen in fact I um I did this awesome I want to share a story in a minute about uh, I did an MDMA therapy session that was awesome that with my partner we actually sat down with um this 80 year old man he had parkinson's disease so he had his you know his body was shaking and he wouldn't talk a lot um in this it was a four or five hour session we took mdma and sat down with him and um and did only he take mdma or did we did he didn't okay so my partner and i took mdma and he was our therapist and he wouldn't talk too often he would sit there and he, you know, he moves really slow. He's older and, um, you know, his body is starting to, uh, be a challenge for him, but his mind is sharp. And when he, when he chimes in, it is just gold, like pure gold. In fact, 
I felt like the MDMA, you know, MDMA doesn't really do much for me these days. Um, I think I took too much in 2010, honestly. So <laughs> I think I, uh, honestly, I think I, you have a limited capacity of what you can take. And I think I abuse it a bit too much. And now it just gives me kind of these creepy crawly feelings, but it was still really powerful though. Um, but I think I could have been that powerful for my partner and I just to sit down with him for four hours and not take MDMA. But for most people, they would feel all kinds of pleasure and, and empathy. And my partner and I are already such great communicators that we were, um, you know, light years ahead of what most folks, why most folks would need MDMA for this. But anyways, okay, tangent. So what he said is, when is love not the answer? You know, and of course we make choices out of fear all the time. I choose not to enter a relationship or go on that date or to have that conversation with my partner because I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm scared of being rejected or judged or hurt or pushed away or whatever that is. Um, but especially in communication and then, and so we don't always make choices out of love, but, um, but love is kind of always a choice, a love again for the self or then the way we speak. When is love not the answer for the way we speak to someone like when, or, the, or like, I don't want to say the right answer, but the most beneficial answer for everyone. When is speaking out of anger and fear and hate ever helpful for anyone? You might feel helpful for you in that moment because you're fucking pissed yeah, this feels good. I'm going to speak with anger and hate. Fuck you, motherfucker. And where is that going to get you when you, when you speak, speak with love? Hey, when you did X, I was really hurt. Like that re I, that I'm really hurt by that. And like my heart is tender and I just want to shut down and crawl under a rock, but I'm here and I'm talking to you about it. Like, can we, can we sit down and work on this together? You're going to get your outcome, what your desired outcome a lot faster when you speak with love than with fear. And and this is kind of like a tantrum from what you're talking about. But on that note, when we can look at things and say, is this coming from a place of love or coming from a place of fear? It can be an easy tool to make a different choice because this MDMA therapy was session yeah. was there was some gold in there. So which I've shared, I think on your podcast, I've shared a lot about communication and how to communicate, communicate with your partner um, and, you know, to speak with empowered language. And um, so say, Kyle, you do something and I feel hurt by what you do. Right. And so you do something and I, and I want to say, let you know that I'm hurt by it. And then when you hear my hurt, so my empowered way of saying I'm hurt, by the way, would be like, Kyle, when you walked in the door and you didn't give me a hug, I felt hurt, sad, angry, whatever. And you, you, you're the tool here for you as the one receiving the hurt is to show up and say, um, essentially reiter reiterate what you heard me say and to, um, to have like compassion and understanding. So I feel understood. Um, but when you're triggered, it's so hard to do. And what most people do is they go get all defensive, right? And that's, that's this whole part about love and, you know, love versus fear or love versus anger. So I can speak for myself. If my partner would be like, Hey, Amy, um, when you did X, I felt Y, you know, I felt hurt. I felt disappointed. I felt angry. Sometimes I get defensive. Well, that's not, I didn't mean to do that. That's not what I meant. Like, oh, I was just kidding. Or, um, no, I, that's not what I, I love you. I, I totally love you. Like that wasn't my intention at all. I did this because X, Y, and Z. And I start explaining myself and then they don't feel understood. And then it's just all downhill. So if I were to look at that, my whole explanation is not coming from a place of love. My whole explanation is coming from a place of trying to protect myself. I need to look good here because they're saying that I did something wrong and I need to let them know why I'm not wrong. Not out of love. Protecting ourselves. Yes. I got it. You back. got it. It's back. What is okay. it? Okay. <laughs>
I find that many people waste each other's time in the beginning phases of relationships. A lot of people will get into relationships, they'll start hooking up, and they'll have the knowledge that it isn't really going to go anywhere, but it will drag on for months and months and months, and then seven months later, they'll be like, eh, I kind of knew that this really wasn't going to happen, and life's short and finite, and I fucking hate it when people waste each other's time. So how do we protect ourselves see what you know see where a relationship might be going because sometimes we just don't know the answer right like on the third date you probably don't know if this person's going to be right for you um but how can we how can we speed that process up so people don't waste each other's time so often Mm, i like that it's a good question yeah so when i work with clients um Uh, who are single and they're looking for partners, what I have them do is I have them make a list of all of the things that they want in a partner. Um, I know that sounds a little cheesy, but then we go back over the list and we decide what are the deal breakers. Imagine that you're with this person for five years and they didn't have this thing. How important is it? And you cross out the ones that, you know, in five years, it doesn't really matter if they're not that funny. It's cool. That's fine. But what does matter is that they're um, compassionate or that they have a spiritual practice or whatever. Um, so you have that list and you already know what is, so, and those are, those are kind of like core values for you of what you need in a partner. So not like they like pizza, you know, like real things that are important to you. You already have an idea of what the core values are. You're in the dating world. You start to get to know someone and you start to see when they don't match the core values. Like what are those for you? Um, for me, core values would be. Let's see. Um, someone who's always willing to do the work on themselves is a huge core value for me. If I see them kind of with the mentality of like, this is just how I am, it's not going to work for me. That's a big core value. Um, intelligence, um, I would say brilliance, but just more so intelligence and depth. Um, is a core value. And so I just look at it like if I'm with this person in five years and they weren't what I would call super intelligent, um, it's not going to work. You know, if they weren't doing the work on themselves, it's not going to work. I need to also be sexually attracted to them. It won't work in five years if I'm not, you know, things like that. Um, And you can even bring in things like, you know, marriage and kids and your philosophies on that. You know, if I was with someone who had to have kids in five years, because I don't know if I ever want to and most likely probably won't, um, that would be a deal breaker someone who had to get married I'm not a big marriage person um so things like that you just really narrow those down and and then if you're single person as you date you start to in conversations with those people you know sec first date second date third date when you start to see that they don't match um you can investigate it a little bit more but if you're really seeing that it doesn't match don't get in a serious relationship and hope that they change their core value. Good luck to you, sir. You know, like, yeah, they don't show that they're super intelligent, but intelligence is important to you. And you just decide that you're still going to get into a relationship with that person. And, um, so did you have that conversation with your partner about kids? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't. So it's funny. Our, our very, we knew each, we met a burning man. Um, we didn't get into a relationship then we were, we, I was exiting a relationship and he was actually engaged at the time. And so we just got to know each other's friends we dated a year later on our first date. He, um, we talked all about all the things and, um, both stated that we probably never wanted to have kids. And he was in a place of thinking that he wanted uh, to explore polyamory. And I was in a place of just being kind of open. Um, and 
Yeah, and, and so we talk about it here and there, but we, from day one, knew that we were on a very similar page. Why? Um, not wanting kids? Yeah. Um, let's see. I've never felt that, so I'm 33, I've never felt that maternal, like, I, I need to do that feeling, um, which is unusual i think and some people are like when you hit 35 you feel it so i'm not closed off to the fact that things could change um but because i don't have a burning desire and on top of that i love my life and it's already so busy and i love everything about it and i'm not desiring to alter it you know i if i wanted kids so bad i would totally desire to alter it right i would be like yeah of course i'm going to i want to do that i'll totally get rid of all these things for to give up for this other being but i don't have this great burning desire um and that just feels really true for me so i don't i don't in any way hate kids um i prefer animal prefer animals <laughs> uh, and yeah and i totally get why people don't people want kids too it's just isn't um yeah i just have the burning desire yeah it's not there and i figure if if maybe it will be someday and maybe not and i'm okay with both of them yeah i find that as you as people get into their 30s um the prescribed life becomes much more vivid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your 20s people are like oh have fun explore the world go travel to bombay and yeah <laughs> hike machu picchu and then in your 30s it's like you're 30 you're not married yet no. you can have kids yeah when? yeah what's the plan clock sticking yeah mm-hmm. and i i know a lot of people who um thankfully i'm 28 yeah you got two I, years i, 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 ex- oh, I expect yeah. to be dead by 30 so <laughs> <laughs> okay good luck to you but um it's a real pressure for a lot of people and we i think make a lot of these big decisions without fully thinking them through because it's just easier to appease the relatives. So mm-hmm. I would like to talk with you about, yeah, some of these these prescribed life decisions that a lot of people are faced with, mm-hmm. like kids and marriage and monogamy for that matter. A good job, owning a home, all the things. Well, and it's funny, we were talking about core values and a lot of people w- um, will confuse core values with what they've just been told should be a core value as opposed to what really is your own individual right. core value. I don't suck dick. I'm not a slut. <laughs> that was my favorite in high school. <laughs> what? I only suck- Who told you you're a slut? I actually, I actually remember hearing that the, for the reverse from, um, uh, I won't call them men because they were teenage boys when I was a teenager saying that they would only go, they only go down on girls that they're in relationship with. And, and I think I use that line on oh, someone too. Punch I, those people in the fucking throat. I, yeah, and I, and I think I praise the pussy too. Yeah, I was go like, down on that shit for hours. Yeah, yeah, praise that pussy. Well, I think I use. I was well, our uh, our mutual friend Troy had this uh, had this this like how to lick pussy on his uh, fridge. Oh, that, I had, that was mine. Was that yours? Yeah, it was Sorry, here at this was, house. Yeah. yeah, here at this well, house. It was like, uh-huh. if, if you're having a t- hard time, increase the radius. <laughs> just, go, <laughs> just go around further. Just get wild more, and crazy. More yeah. areas, more areas. Yeah, bury your face in there. Yeah. If, if your face isn't getting covered in juices, you're not, <laughs> you're not doing it right. <laughs> That sounds like Chewbacca. <laughs> I've done the Chewbacca voice way too many times on this podcast. People that's, are sick of it. That's good. I like it. Um, that's, uh, my empower- that's my empowered voice. We're talking about serious shit, Amy. We're talking about prescribed lives. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm We're back. social creatures, Hone but in. I want people to live their own life. Okay, everyone. All right. So, okay. What was the question, though? I already forgot. The, the, the question was, you know, when you get into your 30s, yes. people feel much more pressured to get into... Um, the institution of marriage, yes. kids, uh-huh. uh, 
monogamy mm-hmm. and i want to kind of dissect your my opinion I, yeah your opinion yeah. on on uh those subjects yeah and any more that i'm might uh have as blind spots but are big ones for a lot of people totally yeah just the ideas of the way that uh folks should be yeah i i agree that and, and i think that in th- when they're 30 and up it becomes more real but they're getting the messages from day one about what what life should look like and 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 then that's what they think it should look like and a lot of times people find themselves you know they do all the things they get married they have the kid they buy the house they have their great job and they're like fuck i'm still not completely happy and they hit a point of either a realization that they um, kind of followed into the footsteps of someone else's dream and that wasn't their dream or that is their dream. You know, that does happen too, where people do, I know people where they love their lives. They go to work from eight to five. They have a kid. They're super stressed out. They're married. They love each other. They don't have a lot of sex. Um, They drink a lot of wine and they go to family functions and you know, they're, but they watch a lot of movies. They're fucking happy, but that's, them that's what they want so i i think it's just a matter of people say they're happy they but s- they always have that little voice in the back <laughs> of their head that's thinking whispers. what if i tried anal <gasps> i know what happened good thing i gave them a bottle of lube the lord is watching yeah the good lord i mean i, I always just ask, i ask that question to people i don't want to say always because i don't always ask i don't know why i always say always 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 um i ask that question <laughs> i love this about you Amy. I, I love that you the internal work, dialogue that you work to become a better podcaster i'm just watching i'm yeah. here the we were talking earlier there's so many of me here present having this conversation with you all um but asking the question is this your dream or is this someone else's? When you're making big decisions, marriage, engagement, monogamy, non-monogamy, to have children, um, what you know, whatever that is. I'm trying to think of other big decisions, but you know, to take that job, to follow your dream, to go to that college, uh, to go on that trip around the world, they're all really big. Uh, to ask, why am I doing this? And I, like, I'll give you a really stupid example that was a stupid because it's stupid to me. It's not a huge one about love and relationships, but okay, I have a ten-year visa to India. I went to India once. I was in northern India in Rishikesh doing a yoga teacher training. I was there for a month. I didn't travel all over India. I now have a ten-year visa. And it's not the easiest thing to get. It's annoying. You have to go to San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. I want to go to Sri Lanka. Or is it Sri Lanka? You know, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka, same, same. Very close to India. They're very close. My partner and I want to go to Sri Lanka. He does not want to go to India. He did it. He did it for three months. He's like, I'm not going back. You're going on your own. We'll meet in Sri Lanka. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to India. I'm going there. I'm doing it. I have a 10-year visa. Super committed to it. But when I sat down and really asked, why the fuck do I even want to go to India? Is it because I really, truly want to go? Like if I sit and think into it, I'm like, oh, I just really want to go to India. Or is it because I have a 10-year visa? <laughs> and and I, I know that this is a, a dumb example, but the answer was it's because I have a 10-year visa and it's what I should do because I spent the time to get that visa. And this is, But this can apply to anything. Like sit down and question it. Where is this coming from? Is it because it makes my parents happy or do I want this and or or society or whatever? And um, you'll probably get different answers than you expected. And it won't make your life necessarily that much easier, but probably more enjoyable. So I'm not going to India. <laughs> that was a great example, though. Yeah. You speak in metaphor, which is a very effective form of communication. Yeah. And when it's real, like I had, you know, I, of course, I had that real. I do that often with things, too, you know. 
why and sometimes it doesn't come easy to me people have to ask me questions you know and it helps it's helpful all right let's talk about marriage a little bit because this morning i got into a, a big kerfluffle about how we feel obligated to go to people's weddings and it starts to fill up our whole lives and summers and weddings aren't that important the vast majority of the time yeah, because you're just there with a hundred other people. You're there with a hundred other people. You spend a bunch of money to go there. It's it, the the bride and groom say hello to you. Oh, thanks so much for coming. It was really it's really important that you showed up. Stoked. Yeah. They don't even say There's that. There's ten minutes. <laughs> There's ten minutes, and then they're gone doing their own thing. Yeah. And if you were to show up for them when it really mattered, like when their mom just died. You know, or when they're having a hard time as a couple. Or when they're having a hard time as a couple. Or when they need a ride from San Francisco airport and no one else is going to pick them up. <laughs> at, like, this, is the shit, this is the shit that matters, yeah. right? I find that we, as a society, have this obligation to go to people's weddings and it fills up our life. And you can obviously take each wedding for like hey am i really close friends with this person or is this an acquaintance um but it's weird how obligated we feel yeah but i want to i want to question yeah but i want to that was a, a tangent on well on my summer filling up with weddings i know you're a little overwhelmed <laughs> i can tell Fuck deep breaths Kyle. no i'm saying no to all of them oh you are yeah yeah well and i'm saying maybe well okay and this is what i just i'll add to that really show up quickly. i'll bring my own food yeah <laughs> my, my don't own. plan for me to be there i'm gonna bring a tupperware and take your food home with me <laughs> <laughs> I know someone who does that. Um, okay, I'll comment on that really quickly. It just um, my because I had a recent experience with that was with a, a dear friend who's having a graduation. They're graduating from nursing school and they're having a graduation party. I can't go to either of them. Um, I feel terrible. It's really big for them, and I won't be here. Uh, and but I just know. I genuinely was just like, I just know. I'm just gonna be one of the many people there. It's really, it's, I know that it's big for you and it's big for you right now, but it won't be big there. And so when I let them know that, Hey, I, I can't be there, but I just, I truly care about you. And I know this is important to you. So I want to make time for us separately. Even if in the moment that doesn't feel like as important as you being one of the hundred people at their thing, when they, when you finally go do that thing that you're doing just for them, it's going to make up for it. And that's what matters. Yeah. So that's what you do. You can't go to those weddings. Fine. Go set a time to go have a great time with those people elsewhere for two or three hours to really show them you care in a different way. What are your thoughts on marriage? Okay. Marriage. <clears throat> okay. An ancient institution <laughs> used to control people's bodies. <laughs> I wanted to say it that way to seem really passionate, Kyle. As if we, as if we first met, it was like our very first time meeting in a bar. <laughs> I started talking to you that way. Would you continue to want to talk to me? <laughs> I just started talking to you about the Federal Reserve. Okay, perfect. Fractional Reserve lending. <laughs> wow, we're both really passionate about obnoxious topics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um... Yes. So marriage is so okay. My personal stance in marriage. When I was younger, I always thought I would get married and grow old and have babies. I would get married at age twenty-eight, have babies at thirty. Um, I even had certain people that would joke around with little like little packs with like you know if we're still single at this age, we're going to get married to each other. Ha ha ha. Um, I don't know why I I idolized marriage. I had parents that um, were married until I was seventeen, but I never saw them really close and intimate, and I kind of always knew that. They one was in love with the other and the other one was not in love with 
you know, my, I think that my mom was not in love with my dad anymore. My dad still loved my mom, um, but he also wasn't showing up. So I didn't have role models of like a really strong, powerful marriage, but I still somehow thought that that's what you do, you know, movies and all that jazz. Um, and then as I got older and started to learn more about sexuality and relationships and how, um, I just started to get more inspired to make my own rules about things. And then I started to research where marriage actually came from and, um, and how it di- diversifies around the world in different cultures. You know, like in Israel, people get married. They don't have rings in, in India and other cultures. It's, it's prearranged. You don't really get to know the person before. And we, we know we hear these things all the time. Some countries, people are getting married at age 12 in, um, and so where our idea of marriage here and the rules and regulations that come are contextual. They're based on the time that we're in and the culture that we're in. It's different per state in terms of the demographic of when people are getting married and people don't think outside of that. They still think that their way is the way, you know, we're here in California, Kyle, people are getting married around age you know, 28 to 32. We think that's the norm. Oh, you hear about someone else in, you know, India or Indiana or in some other state or country that starts with an I that does something different. And you're like, that's not normal. Um, but I think marriage is, um, something I'll say to one good thing and then I'll follow it with, um, something not so great. So the pros of marriage, it is a bold, powerful statement of commitment. It really is. You're in front of a whole bunch of people saying vows, being witness and how much you care about this other person and that you're going to show up for them, take care of them, etc. Um, and hopefully you put a lot of thought into those, those vows. That's fucking powerful. Um, it's so, it's so powerful, super powerful. Uh, and then after that, you go and file some documents and et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, what happens to a lot of people is they think that it's going to change their lives for um, the better, you know, now and make things easier. Um, I think what it can do in a really good way is make the bond more powerful if you choose to make it that way. Meaning we just made this powerful commitment in front of other people. Um, and that is really special. Like now I'm going to feel real guilty if I break up with you in a year. Well, there's, there's that it's, you can't, see, this is the example that someone recently used with me, the back door, there's no back door anymore, right? There's all, and when you're single or when you're just engaged or whatever, and you don't have a whole bunch of financial documents or you didn't get in front of a group of people and declare your love, there was always a back door that you could leave when things got hard. But now the back door is either gone or it's like, has a pretty, a deadbolt on it's it. It's a back door called alimony. <laughs> Or just, I just made this whole scene in front of a whole bunch of people and I don't want to leave when things get hard or I'm not, I'm less likely to leave when things get hard. So there's, there's a good thing in that sometimes it can help people to be better in their commitments because sometimes people just want to leave when things get hard because they're, they're, oh God, I almost said pussies, but that's not a great word. They're, um, they're not being mature it's enough to handle word. shit. It's such a good I word. love that word, but I don't like to use it in a negative way. I love pussy. Bro, I'm not living in my authenticity. Stop being such a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Get out there and build some houses in Honduras. That's authentic as fuck. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, passion. You're so passionate today, Kyle. Fucking just angry. <laughs> I'm just angry. I, my my serotonin levels haven't fully come back up to normal after my... We talked about like sad Kyle sometimes <sighs> and now it's angry Kyle. Yeah, that's what happens. I like it. Well, that's, well sad Kyle 
involves self-pity, which then is like, why are you fucking self-pitying yourself? And I get angry. It's so like, anyway, okay. this isn't so about me. We're talking about marriage. Oh, marriage. Okay. All right. So that was the, the pro. I mean, do the, the, how does that resonate with you? About that the one of the, I agree with all of that. Okay, yeah. so, there, so there can be some good there in the power of the commitment and being witness. I'm not and talking it's beautiful. about beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Weddings are so heartwarming. There's a reason why the movie Wedding Crashes exists. Why people <laughs> want to have sex after weddings is because they're overcome and intoxicated with this feeling of love. Okay, Kyle, I just want to comment that some of it is also in Wedding Crashes is also about all the sad women that are like, why me not getting married and they're easy targets <laughs> you didn't see that part? i digress <laughs> i fell asleep midway through, the, uh, <laughs> midway through it was a good movie um okay so yeah so the commitment part in the power of the commitment and being witness okay now the cons of it people that think that because there's a commitment no one can leave them so now i got you now i'm safe we got married there's a document that we filled out we all these people saw you now you can't leave me and so now i can just like not work at our relationship and and you're you're stuck with me well hey everyone just so you know every day you're in a relationship is a choice and i know sometimes it doesn't feel that way like especially people in, in a domestic abuse and etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so i'm not necessarily commenting on that but relationships where we um, do have a choice to be there meaning like a safe choice it, we're choosing to be with that human. Um, people can still leave when you're married and people start to take things for granted. There's more pressure there. Um, and not to talk about, I mean, or not, I don't really want to go too deep into like the history of it, but marriage came from a, a, a business arrangement. It wasn't for love originally. And if, I mean, you've heard that. I think Chris Ryan has talked about that. Esther Perel talks all about that. It wasn't designed because, oh, I love you so much. I want to put a ring on it and fill out some documents and be with you forever. It was like, oh, this is going to save us a lot of money and we're going to get some cows and get the farm and get the kids to work and kids aren't going to have a great life. And it still is very much so. You see families coming together and there is this thread of money through the whole wedding. If it's an expensive wedding, it is a show of finance yep. and that two financial forces are coming together mm -hmm. with, you know, this sugarcoat of love and maybe there's real love through it as well, but there's also a celebration of finance. Yeah, it is. People, God. I have a friend who uh, married a Laotian girl. Mm -hmm. uh, his name's, Justin Lee, I just had him on the podcast. Hey, Justin and the, Lee. And the family requested a dowry oh. of uh, 12 goats. Wait, 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 wait. So I thought that it was the the woman's family that has to give. No, it's oh. the man's family. So, oh, so he so, had to give the goats? Yeah, so he had to give <laughs> So, so his, his uh, now wife, who's fucking amazing, like told him this early on in the relationship. Like, hey, so just so you know, my family is going to request a dowry and she didn't know that he's a professional hunter so there's like, like so she's gonna need like 12 goats she's like oh no worries it got you he's like oh bro i went to this mountain where there's all these goats it was like a fucking massacre wait they wanted dead goats? they wanted dead goats oh, yeah I, because I, they cook they they eat the goats i thought it, i thought they want live goats so they could like milk them and no no no, no, no. he took them down with his bow and arrow <laughs> so he shows up with all these dead goats he's like can i have your no, they daughter's cook the, they cook the goat bile this is getting what? real deep but yeah they um what do you do with that uh they cook with it oh yeah, like as a, like a butter or uh like paste, oil there's a paste yeah as the food's going through the digestive tract uh you can get the bile out and it's uh, something that laotian people cook with interesting yeah 
Anyway. Sexy. So, so if you're if you're proposing <laughs> to your girlfriend, get the goat bile. I know. Yeah, get the goat bile. It's a sure thing. I I always fall for a man. I think that would be bile. kind of amazing, though. Imagine if you had to like to fully commit to a wedding, right? Like, I think it's a little too easy to get married. It like, is. What if you had, as a man, you had to go hunt a wild animal mm. and bring it to your girlfriend? Okay, but then we deal with more men who are already having a hard time with the, the concept. And like, well, now I'm really not doing good to go kill something <laughs> to show up here. <laughs> Maybe we need to make everyone. Maybe the woman needs well, to kill everyone, a wild animal. I think everyone should do it. Everyone should do like some big offering yeah. to show up and, sh- and show how much they choose this like yeah. how great they greatly they choose this or like run around the island of Kauai or something something <laughs> big you know like all right i gotta it. train for this i gotta commit to it it oh, can't just be God. as whimsical as like i'm gonna get down on one knee and well, then we're gonna spend do, a bunch of money and do people it people do the opposite you know what they do for weddings like women a lot of women i know they have to wear their wedding dress so they diet for three months instead they would train for three months Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. What's the theme song for yeah, that? Yeah, like, go down to Mexico, go train with the Taro Mara, run a hundred <laughs> miles barefoot, then you can get married. <laughs> Show us how badly you want it. You have yeah. asthma, too bad. That's authentic as fuck. <laughs> Zoo. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, so authentic. Yeah, I mean, I like this. We could go, we could go a lot of different directions with this, or like kids. I think it's way too easy to have kids. Oh, that, yeah, that's that one right there. Someone was, I think it was, it was maybe my girlfriend was telling me this. She read an article recently about how if you want to have kids, you should be able to co- uh, cook a croissant because apparently it's very difficult to cook a good croissant. It takes a lot of planning and preparation. But I think that you could take that one step further as well. Right. Do you think planning and preparation is the hardest part in raising kids? Uh, I think that organization is a big part of it and showing that you're an organized human who can. Yeah, I think you practicing something that would make that would require a lot of patience yeah. and, and a lot of practice in choosing love and acceptance when things get hard. So whatever you cook that requires that. I don't know if a, a croissant requires that, but if it did, it takes discipline, is what it does. Yeah. It takes discipline to cook a croissant. We want to teach real discipline children. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. I um, I had the chance to hang out with a really wonderful guy recently named Kyle Kingsbury, who hosts the On It podcast, and he has a, a three-year-old boy and. That man is one of the best dads I've ever met. And he's a former UFC fighter, highly disciplined. And he takes that discipline into fatherhood, but in a very kind way. Like before bed every night, he would, um, he has this, this ceremony that he does with his boy where they smudge all of the rooms. Oh, with sage? With sage. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the kid gets really excited. He loves doing it. And then they took a bath and he puts him to bed. And I didn't see that kid throw one nighttime tantrum because it was like, this is just the way that things are right now. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do tonight. When and the, a little ceremony. Yeah, and the kid got on board and he loved it. And the kid's super well behaved, super creative and like, it's just impressive to see that kind of discipline brought forward into fatherhood in a loving way. Yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that. 
and making it the, like a little cer- uh, ceremony ritual. I feel like nighttime, like when kids are going to sleep, is like one of the most important times for parents to show up for them because you know that you know nighttime is associated with the darkness and you're they're going to this alone space even when they're next they're next to their parents they're going alone into the alone space into themselves when they kind of turn off and go to sleep and um, to have that support and some ritual around it I think is that's really beautiful that's so sweet still doesn't make me want to have kids though but that's <laughs> you're trying to talk me to have kids yeah. Kyle it's still super sweet but I'm still I'm good on my own no you just do that with your cat have the have the cat hold the sage walker yeah. in the room. <laughs> high on sage. I have Monty the dog. He's adorable. Um, oh, I want to talk about one thing. Do I tell. don't know if you're releasing this this month, but it's masturbation May, Kyle. It's go wank yourself month. Go masturbate. Can we talk about masturbation on here? I don't know. <laughs> it's a little too deep for me. Everyone, masturbation I want to talk about the debt ceiling. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about self-pleasuring. <laughs> Pleasuring yourself. Okay, but one thing I wanted... So this month, we call it in the sex industry, sex world, Masturbation May. We like to celebrate this month as the month to um, bring some awareness to our self-pleasuring practices. And when I say bring some awareness, to ask thyself... Um, how often am I, am I pleasuring myself often? Am I just relying on someone else to pleasure me? Could I pleasure myself more? When I pleasure myself, am I doing it just to get off? Am I romancing myself? Could I pleasure myself in a new way that had more intention and slowness and touch that woke up my senses and just brought more aliveness and more orgasmic juiciness and explosions? Or am I just going to rub one out in two seconds like I normally do? It's a time to um, to celebrate the self and to take an inventory of where you're at and to look at uh, masturbation and uh, self-love as a self-care practice and to see where you're at. And maybe you don't give a fuck about it. Maybe you're like, eh, I don't really want to wake myself. I'd rather rely on someone else to do it or I'm not feeling very sexual. Or maybe you are pleasuring yourself all the time, uh, but you're doing it just to rub one out and because you're stressed out and it's just what you do. Or maybe you're really just taking your time and touching your whole body and romancing yourself um, and all of them are acceptable, but it's just a time to um, look within and see what's on the menu. <laughs> okay. So, Kyle, what's you, on What the do you menu? want me to do? <laughs> fucking journal about my masturbation sessions? Yeah. <laughs> no, you can just, you just check it. I mean, this is self-pleasure, self-love. Just check in. Yeah. Check in. Well, check I, in I think about at. that recently. I, I, I was thinking about the first times that I used to masturbate, and it was to a a calendar that my brother gave me. It's like t- women of Tahiti calendar. In bathing suits? Yeah. Aww. Whereas now it's like high def porn. Right? <laughs> you can't just, the, you saw yeah, women in bathing suits. You're like, I see it on the beach all the time. Yeah. Boring. There's this panoply of categories. I can go wherever I want. And uh, I think that checking in is important yep. to ask the question, can I masturbate without visual cues? Yeah, to change things up a little bit. Am I am I requiring something? Because now my the pleasure? porn sites are like, we'll do the imagination for you. Just <laughs> sit here and relax. <laughs> it's yeah, like the ultimate dopamine. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the eighteen hundreds, you used to have to go out on the back of a barn. There was a donkey there going, <laughs> and you had to fucking focus, <laughs> focus on that neighbor. Oh my god. Oh, back in the day when we had to be creative. Yeah, do you think that it's... uh, I know that you have a lot of thoughts on porn 
do you think that it is detrimental that we that the vast majority of men only masturbate to porn now? Uh, depends. Um, yes and no. It, it just uh, to me everything is a, is a balance. I I put um, personally okay. I I put porn and vibrators in the same not vibrators. So sex toys in the same category in that. Um, there are also different categories because vibrators and sexes don't usually objectify bodies. So, um, there's that issue with porn, but in the same category in that they both give you a quick dopamine rush, it's quick and easy access to what you're looking for. You can watch porn or use a sex toy and sometimes get off in like 30 seconds to a minute. And then it can mess with the brain and say, your brain starts to tell you, we need this to get off. Otherwise we don't get off or this other thing, hands and this human body is taking a lot longer. Let's get the vibrator or the porn and now I'll have my orgasm then that's just a story and a neural pathway that's been creating in your brain so that's one issue um in and the other issue is for folks watching a lot of pornography um I do think it's a huge issue in teaching um men w- about sexuality and what, what they th- what porn says vulva is like very inaccurate very 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 inaccurate I can't say very enough times here um but i swear if you know out of the many women that i worked with in my sex coaching practice at like 80 or 90 percent of them are unfulfilled with the sex they're having with men because it's porn sex and they don't know anything otherwise you know they don't even realize why they're doing the women do and it's not the men's fault it's, it's from what they see in porn in the words of the great amy baldwin go slower than slow and, and then, then slower than oh that. you got it I thought I was going to have to correct you. I pick you. up the cues. This is a very selfish podcast. I have you on so that I can become a... Better lover? Yoni, Yoni the love warrior. Yo, I forgot about Yoni. Fucking he samurai. Was, he was here in our first podcast. He was. Yoni the love warrior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's... I, I have confidence in him. He's been learning about sex often. Yeah. Yeah. What are um, some of the most helpful tips? You know, if someone comes up to you at a bar and they're like, no way, you're a sex and semantic coach. What should I do? <laughs> I like that voice. Yeah. Semantic. Sounds like a little nasally. <laughs> um, what should you do? Okay, well, you already said one of them. I right, so say I'll say it to yeah, them. Yeah, pragmatic tips. Very pragmatic. Um, okay, right, one of them is um, start slow down and then go slower than what you think slow is. And um, what the newest thing that I've been using that I really like, and I don't know if I've talked about it in your podcast yet, but I'm going to coin it, everyone. If you hear anyone else talk about this, just know that it came from Amy Baldwin first because... Um, a lot of the things I talk about, I get from other people, but this one randomly came to me. So I'm really proud of it. Um, tooting my own horn. Okay. So, you know, when you're getting a professional massage, not like your $25 massage where they're just like rubbing your feet, just smacking your, this is, you know, it's not, it's not slow and soft. You're 75 to $150 massage. You're on the massage table. There's nice music playing. The lights are dim. The massage therapist has some nice coconut oil or whatever oil they're using. And they take their hands. They also ask you some questions, you know, like, what do you like? And more, what you want medium, soft? So they're actually inquiring. Then they take the oil, they lube up their hands. They rub their hands together. They take their hands. And what do they do? You're laying it down. They put them on your back. They don't move them right away. They let the skin acclimate. So their hand on your back and they hang out for like 30 seconds to one minute. Yeah, they do a few big... Ah, breathing on, yeah. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. They're really tuning in and letting their body connect with your body. And then they start to just rock. They don't even move their hands, right? This is that rocking of your back to kind of start to wake it up. You know what I'm talking about? This like back and forth thing. 
Uh, they start doing that. And then after a little bit, they start to move their hands, but they move really slowly and softly and they work their way up. They just take their time. Genitals are the same thing, people. It's the same thing, especially vulvas, especially vulvas. And I know a lot of penises can take like a hand just right on it fast and hard. I know this. And I think that if a lot of penises experience this slow, sensual warm up of all over the body, including when a hand first makes its way, its way to the cock and holds the cock and just like acclimates to it with this well-warmed lubed hand, like nice luby coconut oil. And they ask you a question about, you know, what you like. And then they slowly start to massage and they work their way up. And eventually, yeah, they might get to fast and hard, but they take their sweet time. I Guys that, wouldn't know what to do. They'd start sobbing. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> I hate my father. <laughs> no one's ever t- touched my cock like this. <laughs> Yes. Ah, it's like a warm hug. <laughs> well, that's what we call it. Like that it. scene in Goodwill Hunting where he fucking. How about, hu- them, how about them apples? No. Where, where, where he hugs Rob, Robin Williams and he just starts sobbing. Yeah, see? Yeah. He needed that. Yeah. It was good for his soul, Kyle. It's good for his soul. It's like hey. a woman's hand with coconut oil. It's Robin Williams <laughs> hugging Matt Damon. Well, right let's there. reverse it to the vulvas. Though. Women, think of your hand as Robin Williams giving a good, strong, slow bear hug. I You're just, the therapist. I just, he's no longer alive, Kyle. Don't, let's not think about that. I think sexuality. that Robin Williams would laugh at that joke. He probably would, actually. Yeah, he'd be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> Keep going. Don't yell that when you're touching the cock, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> not sexy. Don't do that. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. Oh, that's what I say when I come. <laughs> it's either... Or... Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> That's enough of that. Uh, okay, okay. I just want to. I'll finish the point about vulvas. If you, if, okay, if you don't like this, what I said, talk about penises, like it. Maybe penises. Maybe your penis is like fuck that. I just want it fast and hard. Whatever. Most vulvas, <laughs> I can speak to, you, um, would love this. And when in doubt, like when I teach how to t- how to please a vulva or just please a body or class, you know, t- conscious erotic touch. I don't have like a very specific like you know touch like this and then this and this and this. I said I, my new thing is to uh, ha- tell them if you haven't had a professional massage, go and get one and pay attention to what they're doing and, you know, well lubed hand, get it ready to go. And when you're touching a vulva, you take the hand, you lay it, you cup it over the outside of the vulva. It's covering the labia, the clitoris, everything, all the fingers are together. You're essentially giving what uh, a sex educator named Midori calls a pussy hug. I got that idea from her, but the massage one was mine, everyone. And you hang out there for 30 seconds to 60 seconds. The skin acclimates to each other, the hand and the vulva. And then you just start to move the hand as if you're giving it massage. You're not diddling the clit. You're not going right for the clit. You're not poking and prodding or sticking your fingers right inside. You're starting to just move the hand up and down, gliding as if you're massaging a shoulder or the back. And maybe even starting to knead into the labia, the outer labia um, and for women or female body folks who haven't experienced this when they do it's so powerful like if you do this for the first 10 minutes of touching a vulva or maybe even just five minutes and then you start to stick your fingers you know maybe inside a little bit 
you will be a much better lover already. The vulva is going to love it. It's going to love it. If it hasn't experienced that, it's amazing. I can, and I've, I've taken a poll and I'm taking a poll now. Everyone email Kyle if <laughs> once you experience this, how you feel about it, and then let me know. <laughs> you get a lot of emails. Yeah, you do the Instagram uh, percentage, like yes, no, how did it feel? I think Amy like Baldwin, it. you're just so such a good explainer. I'm an explainer. You're an explainer. You're great. You're a teacher, an educator. Thank you. Yeah, it's... It's what fun. do you what do you want to do when I grow up? Yeah, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> You're so good at this. I don't want to grow I up. I feel uh, I feel like I sort of discovered you. You did in that we did a podcast like a year and a half ago. Wait, how long have you been podcasting? Like two years okay. now, a yeah, year and okay. a half, two years. Got it. But you're an early on, yeah. And now you've been one of the most requested guests to come on Woo-hoo! since then. And I think that you have a unique skill. Um, and I want to know what you want to do. Like, what what would the next... Like, do you want to write a book? Oh, yeah. Do you want to... Yep. Writing a book. That's happening. Writing a book. Um, yep. I have a... Um, a uh, uh, what do you... It's not a staycation. It's a, a book writing getaway week planned sure. with April from Shameless Sex. Um, we have a, a getaway week that planned in August. And, you know, I'm not saying we're going to write a whole book in that week, but it's dedicated to... Um, brainstorming starting to write whatever that is um whatever comes up through that so yeah writing a book uh, we have a specific angle that we want to take for that book that feels like it's um different and unique and also very aligned with what we do because what we like to do is to empower people and not tell them this is how you should be as a sexual person it's more so um ask yourself questions and then figure out how you want to be and go that way and um the book will be kind of aligned with that um we're going to start doing uh, online uh, workshop series so like four week series where we have recorded videos and people can take our master classes um so starting to do that continuing on the podcasting continuing to just live the dream so yeah those are the next steps is the definitely the book and growing with more workshops that are accessible to everyone all over the world can you imagine a place that you want to arrive at i know that life is just this kind of continuous journey but like can you think a few years down the road like what that life looks like for you honestly I stopped thinking about that a long time ago Hmm. I um I I'll I'll make like five-year plans uh but I my brain doesn't ever have a vision of what my life will look like when I have that um because I know it's going to be different and I don't want to get set on what it should look like um yeah over planning yeah. Sometimes. I I mean I have my goals, you know, like I'm I'm going to do these things. They are going to happen. I don't know what my life will look like when they happen. Um I know that when they happen, I'm already going to have an idea of what the next things are that I'm going to work on. I'm going to do that till I die. Um so that I think that's like all all I can say is that I'm going to continue to create and grow and learn and have hard fucking times and amazing times and um, I'm going to do that until I'm an old lady who can't move anymore <laughs> and even when I'm old and can't move I'll find ways to do all that too yeah, yeah, <laughs> in my yeah. own head yeah well then you know if you don't if you're not setting these big goals what places do you want to arrive at what are you yeah. what do you say you're working on most right now 
Um, build, yeah, I mean, building and creating. The, I mean, these feel like big goals, creating this online course that we're doing, the four-week series. I mean, we're filming all these videos and putting a lot into that. And so, yeah, just, just constantly growing. And for me, being in the world of podcasting, I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, I, I teach workshops usually to 20 or 30 people in person. And podcasting, I can teach thousands of people all at once about sex positivity and how to rid yourself of shame and the stories of, you know, the things that are getting in the way of yourself being the fully expressive sexual being that you can be. Um, and so I want to continue to grow that. I would like to not only get the message to six to 7,000 people per week is what shameless sex is doing right now, but you know, get like a million people per week. That would be fucking awesome. So I'm pretty dedicated to that. And, um, but every little thing is a breakthrough. You know, we have 15 listeners in Saudi Arabia. That's feeling pretty badass. I would like uh, a million in Saudi Arabia too. I don't know how many people are in Saudi Arabia, but <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a really it, it, podcasting is unique in the way that uh, you can educate yourself in a secret way. Like you know, there could be a woman in Saudi Arabia who's listening to your podcast on her phone and no one knows what she's listening to right and she is empowering herself through mm -hmm. this but she doesn't need to let people know right but all of a sudden these ideas start percolating in people's minds yeah in a really valuable way yeah you know it's and i think that a lot of people who might be too embarrassed to show up to a sex workshop or go to lectures can listen to podcasts and you know you're reaching a lot of people on this podcast who you know probably have never been to to sex workshops and i think that's really valuable yeah yeah so it's fun going on other people's podcasts who you know on shameless sex it's people who are expecting to hear sex and shame shameless sex although we have had speakers that have come on that did not remember that they were on shameless sex and later regretted coming on our podcast so it was like you didn't you know that yeah. we were called shameless sex but coming on something like yours where you're a demographic isn't always signing on for sex and then that's what they get to receive i i love getting into those people listen to my podcast are freaks they're just underground freaks. they're like yes yeah. finally they're like peeking over the fence masturbating those someone finally <laughs> talked about masturbation may i've been wanting to talk about that forever thank you carl tierman okay i'm gonna let you go soon but final question i've been thinking about <laughs> this is the one question that i wrote down for the podcast you actually wrote a question i wrote a question down we never come with a game plan but okay i like it Better be better be good. It better be good. By eradicating shame, do you feel like you rid people from kink? From being kinky? Yeah, kinky. Like shame, this like, oh dirty girl, we shouldn't be doing this. Like that feeling uh, like not like the hottest sex you've ever had is like in the neck the room over from your parents and we need to be fucking quiet while we fuck. <laughs> like that kind of shame that people feel can create um a lot of the eroticism. And if we are a shameless society, do we rid ourselves of that? So um, I know a lot of super fucking kinky people that are out there and open. They like this, the kink, kink beyond what you've heard of in kinky and they have no shame about it. Um, but, or, and they probably did at some point, at some point it was, I have these thoughts or these feelings. They're not normal. They're not okay. They're not healthy. I shouldn't have them, but they're here. So I'm going to hide them and closet them and not talk about them. And so they were there at one point. So they were shame and the shame transformed into, Oh, 
this actually is a part of who I am and it's okay and I'm doing it consensually and I'm going to explore that. So um, I don't think one has to have shame to like you're, there's there doesn't have to be they don't have to both be present all the time yes kink and the taboo and the hotness of the things we're not supposed to do can come out of old shame but you don't have to have them both at the same time you can move through the shame piece and just come into this acceptance of something that once was like the dirty thing you're not supposed to do and that now it can be really hot because you're a liberated empowered adult is like i make my own choices and um you know, it's, and yeah, whipping, you know, being, I'm, you know, like, um, an example I always think of is your strong, powerful male CEO who secretly likes to be bent over and spanked and dominated by women and doesn't want people to know that because they don't want to be seen as weak. And so maybe they closet that, but they still explore it. So they have avenues where it's not shame because they have people that actually service them in that way. Um, or maybe they finally share that information with people and they're like, yeah, I'm a badass in the world. I make like $5 million a year. I run all these companies and sometimes I like to be spanked by some women and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine if Jeff Bezos came out and did that? I mean, it might be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? CEO of Amazon. Hey guys, just want to let you know. I've heard though that, um, cause, uh, I'm friends with a few women who you should totally get on your podcast. Uh, Ciara Lynch and, um, Alexandra Snow and Alexandra, is she owns the largest um, dungeon in the country and she said that the whole like CEO who likes to get dominated thing is kind of a myth and that blue collar guys are just as into it yeah well okay so that 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 it's only them if she's saying is yeah well i mean that's the stereotype right so oh yeah well i'm not saying that blue collar people don't i'm saying that it's um that it's just unusual that you would see such a powerful figure desiring to um, be in a place where they don't have power. And so that stands out more than your average dude wanting to do it. There's a dichotomy. Yeah. It just stands out more. So yeah, I'm not saying that they're, that they're any different from the average everyday guy. It's just that they stand out more in there. And, and that there's a part of them that it might be like counterbalancing something in their life where they are normally like a power figure and they want to be able to let loose. But same with the blue collar guy who's like, I got the eight to five job. I got to bring home the bacon. It's so stressful. And I just want to be fucking dominated and let loose and let go. So yeah, I don't think, um, I think shame seems like it's just a natural part of life. Um, and I'm not saying that it should never be here and it's not serving a purpose. And I just don't think it has to be here that long when it's here. You can come and go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Amy, I love you so much. I love I, you, Kyle. I just, uh, you help me become a better person, more vulnerable person, and you're doing such good work in the world. Oh, thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah. I was, it's funny. Like, I just got back from doing all these different podcasts. I was you were on, on podcasts. Well, I, yeah. yeah, I was on Brian Callen's podcast and then mm-hmm. on, on the Honor podcast. And I've, I was just overthinking it so much. I, like, I'm maybe I did a fine job, but I just was very afraid of being uninteresting hmm. to them and uh had notes and was like all right here's all my i know a lot i know big words and uh (laughs) i'm smart yeah and you just you always remind me that it's you know one of the most interesting things 
that a person can do is just to be honest and authentic maybe (laughs) fuck (laughs) fuck your truth (laughs) fuck your authenticity oh full circle full circle authenticity is the way everyone (laughs) good grief all right amy baldwin from the shameless sex podcast check out her and april april and all that they do on itunes google play i'm sure this won't be the last time i'll be back everyone can't get rid of me (laughs) thank you so much that's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song from one of our listeners named Daniela Smith. This song is called So Good. I will link to her band page in the show notes underneath Amy's bio. Uh, also, thank you so much to everyone who donates on Patreon. This is an ad-free podcast, and I rely on listeners like you to keep it that way. Um, it is because of listeners like you who donate 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a month that I can travel around to get these amazing interviews, bring them to you once or even twice a week sometimes. Um, so if you feel inspired, you can click the link below Amy's bio on your phone right now, or you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to donate. If you can't donate, seriously, don't worry about it. Just keep enjoying the show. Share it with a friend. Uh, That's the only way that other people find out about this podcast. Or give it a rating on iTunes. It takes two minutes, and it's really the only way that uh, people who I try and get on the show know that others are listening you know so if i'm like hey you know barack obama you want to come on my show and he's like well wow i see that you have five stars on itunes and all these people are saying nice things obama's more likely to come on my show so thank you to everyone who gives ratings thank you to all of you who reach out to me on instagram give me feedback on the show keep doing it keep doing it All right. Um, Oh, and send me some voice memos. Finally, Um, info at kyle.surf. You can send them in, and I would love to play them. All right. Have a great day. Get out in the water if you can, whatever body of water you are near. Ocean, lake, stream, river. Go have some sex with someone you love. Go slower than slow and then slower than that. I'll see you next week. Much love. I can see you from across the room And you shine like the sea is blue Can't hear the words you say But your lips, they wanna play And you're looking so good And you're looking like you love me too And you're looking so fine And if you want to, I'm not gonna
I'm your